big in my heart I couldn't if I had tried Oh honey, if I get restless Baby, you're not the kind Wah, 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 wah Don't go breaking my heart This fucking computer won't work Oh honey, I'm trying to get my browser up Oh, this computer won't work. Bum, 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 bum. Woo-hoo. Where is my browser? Where is my browser? When I was down, I was a clown. I should have rebooted. I think I just tooted. Oh, I think I just tooted. IMDB.com I'm going to do a show today in the very, 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 very month of May. Gotta bring up these movies now. Type them in and talk and how. Inhumans. Okay. I thought that Inhumans, I thought I read that Inhumans was cancelled before it even was going to come out. Come out. Oot. As we say on saliva and saliva and glad. Glued? Gazeeb. All right, let me put these in here. <laughs> oh, ha. See, this is what, uh, um, like content, when you're low on content, then you just start the show. Like, I mean, in the middle of doing shit. Like, I mean, I just had to run in there and go to the bathroom. <laughs> I swear to God. I've been on, I've been eating, um, like, a lot of fiber. A lot of um, baby spinach raw. Uh, brown rice. And beans. As was requested by my uh, butthole doctor. Intestine, doctor, stomach doctor, butthole, rectum, sphincter doctor. And um, so then, like, when you do that, and you have not, uh, I mean, that's all you're eating? Oh, my God. I've been going to the bathroom, like, constantly. And, you know, not in a bad way, but, oh. So, anyway, I figure I'm going to try... um, Somebody told me that um, my my uh, losing, starting to lose my voice and the the uh, kind of frog in my throat and stuff, maybe from acid reflux, uh, which I had been diagnosed with with a little <laughs> cough all the time, and uh, they said that you may want to um, take this uh, pri. Oh, I don't know what the hell it is. Prilosec, or a generic version of that or something for acid reflux because um, it's coming up in the uh, in the goozle and then the the acid is eroding my esophagus so I've been taking some stuff for that uh, Fanta, Fanta, Phantom 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 or something it's kind of like an over-the-counter deal for that shite too um the hell i know i watch movies 
But um, then I have I have a day off, so I'm bored, and I thought that I would get something out. Um, I'm not sure how long this is going to be because uh, I, I have stuff to talk about, uh, but um, I also um, didn't watch a lot of movies. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I say I'm sorry to you, to the fans, to the fans. We're, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not giving it all my effort. I should be, um, but you know, went on vacation, and uh, see, I'm filling time now while I'm typing this shit in. Um, I went on vacation, and um, so I didn't watch a lot of, I didn't watch hardly anything on vacation except this uh, girl's ass that. Uh, was putting up my chair and my umbrella. Um, but, so, you know, I'm a little lacking. And then when I came back, I got involved in some TV shows, which I might talk about, Oboot. Um, oh, let's see, what else? Read some comics. I got screwed kind of by um, iTunes last night because... Um, I got like about four new movies that I wanted to watch and um, when I sat down to put them on my iPad for my computer um, it came up and said that I had updates for my computer and like a moron I only have like an hour to to start getting ready to, to go to work and stuff I hit yes to the goddamn iTunes update and when it came up it says you know it's just an estimate but it said estimated time uh, for updates was like two hour, two and a half hours or something well I haven't had I got that new iPad the big one and I have not hardly hooked it up to my computer in forever so I think a lot of the critical updates and it was update uplo- or up, uploading updating whatever the new uh, version of iTunes and so I kind of got fucked on that. I'll tell you what I what I got. I got Baby Driver, which I've been waiting for a long time for that to get to where you can rent it. And it's just still, even though it's been out for, for a few weeks on iTunes, they still had it just to purchase. So I got the standard definition of that. I actually purchased that. And then I rented um, this movie called The Hero with Sam Elliott. And it's about, um, from what I could ascertain, it looked like it was pretty good because it was about a, an, a, a kind of a retired or aging um, a Western movie star, maybe action and Western movie star. And he does like voiceovers and stuff like that, but he really isn't working that much. And Catherine Ross, who is his real life wife, is, I can feel my throat already, people. So I got a lot to drink here, a lot of a lot of booze. Um, but Catherine Ross is Sam Elliott's real wife in real life, and they met on the set of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And I believe, I think I may have said this before, um, when I've seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid a million times, and I thought, you know, well, when when was Sam Elliott in that? Well, at the very beginning, they have a black and white scene where Sundance Robert Redford is playing 
poker with these guys in a bar. And like, I mean, I'm serious. We've been only been going on here now for uh, about eight minutes and my, my, <clears throat> my throat is already starting to get scratchy and everything. So, you know, it might not be as, this might not be as long as what I even expected. Um, but I think you see everything from uh, the, the camera on Sundance's face. And then Butch Cassidy comes in, Paul Newman, and the, the, a guy accuses Sundance of cheating. Well, um, one of the guys, there's about th- three guys around the table playing cards with Sundance. And I think one of the guys was Sam Elliott. So he, you really don't see him. And uh, Catherine Ross, of course, has a big part uh, in that movie um, um, uh, with Redford and Newman. Uh, she plays Etta Place, who is Sundance's woman. And they actually had a TV show or a TV movie called The uh, Sun, uh, the Sundance Wo- Woman or something like that. And Elizabeth Montgomery from Bewitched played uh, Etta Place. And it was about her um, after whatever happened to them, which is still disputed. Uh, she goes down to Mexico, I think, and takes up with a... A, a guy who is like a leader of like a band that's like um, he would sort of, I, I'm going from memory here I like um, um, Zapata I don't think it was supposed to be like Pancho Villa it was supposed to be somebody who's a little bit more charismatic uh, and um, and uh, good looking more drinky winky then I uh, also rented uh, train spot these are just rentals I rented train spotting too which I've been wanting to see uh, Goon the last of the enforcers and um, like I said, I, I kind of got fucked on that, so um, I did not get to watch those. So I just bring them up because, um, just to tell you why I'm kind of, uh, I, I wouldn't say being lazy, but, um, you know, uh, what, what, you son of a bitch, don't tell me that this is not up there after I bring them all up. Uh, I thought I lost my iTunes shit, but I didn't. Okay, so anyway, baby, Nancy. Okay, uh, Zom, so what's been going on? What have you been doing lately? <laughs> I went on vacation, uh, waited all freaking year. Now, next year, and possibly even this year, I might take another small vacation. Um, I waited until almost the end of September to go on vacation. So I had to wait like all fucking year, and that's when we went last year. And, I mean, that's a long time to go. Now, I did, you know, I've taken some days off here and there. And I think I even took a few days uh, that coincided with my days off. Like, if I had the weekend off, I took the day before and the day after. It was over, so I had four days. stuff, But I never did anything. So I ended up going to the beach with my mommy. Um, we went last year, and my sister uh, went with us. And uh, we were planning that this year, and my sister could not go. Neither one of them. I even invited my other sister, and she couldn't go either. Um, so it ended up being just me and my mommy. And we went to the beach. We're pretty good traveling partners because she needs a break for my dad, who is, um, well, <laughs> he's settling into the um, hermit slash ogre slash. Um, I don't know what, like you know, Clint Eastwood in that movie where he, he's the next door neighbor to the, um, are they Koreans, uh, and um, Gran Torino. Well, that's kind of how my dad is getting where, and he hates everybody. He hates um, their neighbors, um, 
and he just likes to sit out on the front porch. Now, the thing that he does like is to sit out on the front porch and watch squirrels. But uh, anything else, uh, he watches everybody intently to see where they're going, when they're leaving, when they're coming back, and everything they're doing. But he hates them. Um, my one, uh, well, their neighbor, um, when he goes out and washes his truck or um, Moses' lawn or anything like that, my dad says that he's showing off. And he, you know, he, I mean, he, he's just hate, he's just hateful. So anyway, I give my mom a break once a year and, um, we go on a trip and, um, she's getting, oh, I'm trying to think, uh, she's got to be like 74, 75 now. So it's a way for us to kind of spend some time together and go do stuff. And, you know, like I said, without my, uh, being under the foot of, uh, I don't know, fucking, <laughs> uh, cross between Mr. Hyde, Dr. Doom, uh, Let's see what else. Um, I, I don't even want to get any more into that. But we went on this trip, and we went to the beach, and I called it a colossal comedy of errors because of all the shit that happened. And I said that between, uh, if you combine my mom, my brain, and my mom's brain, you wouldn't even get one fully functional brain. And we proved it on this trip. But it was funny, and we did have a bunch of stuff that happened that you know. At the time, some of it was like, oh, my God. And you're like, oh, my, oh no. But um, after the fact, even during it, you know, it, it just gives it, it gives you those stories that you'll never forget. Uh, like going into a restaurant uh, to eat and then coming out, uh, just eat breakfast, but then coming out like, say, 45 minutes to an hour later and realizing that you didn't turn your car off the entire time which I didn't and and it's uh 85 to 90 degrees and when I came out you know and I opened my car door I didn't even hear the car running I opened the car door and and the and the car's just completely cool in there cuz the air conditioner's been running all that time and I had a full tank of gas and everything and when it's idling it must not use hardly much gas at all but it was just funny cuz I was like oh my god the whole time we were in there I fucking I, I didn't shut the car off. Um, just, I mean, like I said, I, I had a couple uh, at that time of year, which is mid to late September. Um, the weather was really nice. We were worried about the hurricanes uh, that had gone through before and that were coming um, after we're going to get there. But we didn't have any, I don't think we had any rain at all. We had some thunder and and some stuff like that, but it never really got a downpour or anything. So we had really nice weather. Um, had two really super attractive young girls that that worked for the beach that came down, and you you know give them money, and they'd put up an umbrella and chairs for you and stuff. And I've come to find that uh, I like sitting on the beach under like the um, under a, like an umbrella like that because. Number one, you can watch all the people and all the stuff, which is fun and funny and everything. But without that sun just killing you, you can sit out there and and if there's a breeze, you know, and actually enjoy it instead of just sitting there sweating, you know, and burning up and getting skin cancer. Uh, so I'm, I'm maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. Um, but um, the there were lots of you know when they say America has like a lot of um, overweight or obese people. Um, yeah, uh, lots of people on the beach having fun, uh, and, um, 
you know, it was fun. We we had a good time. Ate a lot. I mean, a lot of food for me. I would consider it a lot because you guys know, like I'm talking about eating baby spinach and brown rice or, or how, you know, when I get on the, the split pea soup, I get on these weird things. But I, I don't eat out hardly ever at all anymore. I used to more, like even fast food, I don't eat fast food. I don't go to restaurants uh, hardly at all. So when we went down there, we were eating our breakfast, um, sort of more like a brunch. Uh, Like, say, we would get there at like 10 and eat, and then we would skip lunch and then eat dinner later. But what I came to find was, when I was talking about people being overweight and obese, is I can see how that can happen so easily, because every fucking restaurant we went to, when you ordered dinner, um, they bring you so much food, it's not even funny. And I mean, I know like you want to get your money's worth, but like I would I ordered uh one meal one day and it was um some kind of chicken breast that had this sauce on it which was really good. Everything everything we ate down there was really good with the exception of uh going and getting breakfast a few times where they, you know, for either forgot about us or gave our food to somebody else had to recook it. So we had to wait forever. And then a couple times, uh, like, you know, I got an omelet that was almost just cold and hash browns that seemed like it had been on the uh, griddle for probably two days that were so crunchy. It was like eating uh, burnt potato chips. Um, But everything, every place that we ate was really good. And like when I got that, um, the, the chicken breast, I mean... They bring three chicken breasts out there. And then, like, my side, which I don't know if it's broccoli. I can't remember. And some other stuff. But I ate one of those chicken breasts. And and with my sides, I was like, man, you know, that would have been enough. But then they give you two more. And, of course, I'm, I'm one of those people that, like, I fucking eat everything on my plate. There was, I think, one time when we were down there because I started getting tired of uh, every time I went out, every time we went out to dinner, that, you know, I was like, I'd leave and I'd be like, God damn, I'm stuffed, you know. Um, and I think it was toward the end of the um, end of the week, I got this, like, center-cut pork chop that was just whatever they seasoned it in i mean it was so tender and juicy and i got this big baked potato and the way they cooked their baked potato the 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 skin on it and everything was just it was awesome uh but i just was like man i i can't eat any i could have ate the whole thing but i was just like okay you know what i'm done you know i i'm not going to sit here and I, I I'm not I'm I'm full now I'm content so by the end of the week I learned my lesson but had like um um some seafood I had shrimp uh, a few nights I had like uh, coconut shrimp these jumbo coconut shrimp um and that night um we were sitting there eating and um a table that was kind of far across the room from us just started like we heard this yelling and you always think okay maybe it's somebody's birthday or you know it it was at a place where they were playing music and everything and uh some guy had like a what i would call a um a medical emergency and he looked like he was probably maybe 35 to 40 he was sitting at a table with um um like uh there were like two couples 
And this guy, I looked over, and I mean, his uh, his he- eyes rolled back in his head, and his head just like went back, and he just went limp. And um, they were yelling for not to call nine one one, and yelling for people to, um, you know, if there was a doctor in the house. And this woman uh, came running across the across the room. She must have been a doctor. Went over there, and they were like working on this guy for for quite a while. They got him up one time, and he was sitting in a chair. And my mom even said, "She goes, oh my God, she goes, he he just looks like he's sweating because he kept wiping his forehead off and he was coughing. You could tell he was trying to get you know his shit together, but something was wrong. And I thought at first maybe he had choked, like uh, like, and they had to give him the Heimlich or something. But it ended. I, I don't I don't know what ended up happening because he went back down and they had to put him on the floor again, and they called the ambulance." And, uh, like two ambulances came and, uh, they were, they're working on this guy. And and that just, it just is such a, uh, chilling feeling, uh, cause you don't know what's going on. And, and, uh, they finally took him out and, you know, we never did find out of course. Um, but had really good food. Um, I'm trying to think where else we went. Uh, uh, like I said, I, I had some grouper and, um, grouper and then with like a side of pasta with like fettuccine sauce on it uh like i said the the uh, popcorn shrimp uh we went to a mexican place down there which was which was, this is myrtle beach south carolina we stayed in north myrtle and it gets a little it's a little quieter um but there's still a lot of stuff to do there and then you're just if you drive down the road you're right there in uh, in regular myrtle but you have like two there was like two big places down there to go one of them is broadway at the beach where you go and 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 it's like you you know walk around there's all these shops and restaurants and music and um places just places to eat like uh if you want to get ice cream or fudge um uh movie theaters there was a um i think this was down the other place is called broadway at the beach and they have like a almost like a coney island like amusement park that they put down there um Several, you know, just big restaurants. Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville, uh, Paula Dean's. Paula Dean has a new restaurant down there, and a lot of, you know, like I said, seafood places are everywhere. Uh, they're putting in like a four, four D or whatever theater. They have a three D, or I mean, a an IMAX down there, and I believe they that it was it was closed, and right across from it, they were building this four D or whatever theater. Um, but it was just being constructed. I mean, they were just doing like, um, um, uh, there was nothing there. They had just like bulldozed and we asked somebody, you know, what they were putting there and they told us. So, um, also while we were down there, hmm, uh, the, the parking garage where we stayed was, it was just awful because, they try the place we stayed there was two towers and they both were 18 stories 18 floors and um the parking garage was across the street they had parking underneath these places because a lot of the places there on the beach uh the ground floor is like for parking because in case the the ocean comes up or whatever but um the parking garage the, the people that it just was for the people that owned units uh, in the place to park underneath and then they had like a 15 minute parking in case uh, you know so when you got there you could uh, pull in there unload your car and then go and park in the parking garage well this parking garage it was such a tight fucking squeeze everything the parking spaces were 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 just big enough for your car every two parking spaces had a fucking 
a column, a concrete column, so that made it even harder to pull in. Um, we found that it was like easier to back in. You know, you would think on any parking space it's harder to back in than pull in straight. It was harder to pull in fucking straight. And uh, backing out one time, I fucking was backing out, and I and there was just enough room for like one car length in between the park uh, the parking spaces where you drive. So when you're pulling out, you have to go almost like as close as you can to the car across from you. And I was doing that, and I fucking bumped what I thought was the car behind me across from me. And I was like, oh, shit. So we got out and looked, and uh, I had this white stuff, looked like big white scratches or whatever on my car, and uh, looked at the other car, and there was nothing on it. Well, I hit the fucking pillar. And, of course, I was only going like maybe one mile an hour, but I took my hand and just kind of, you know, I'm pantomiming them. We get a little spit on it, uh, and I rubbed it, and that stuff came right off. So it was just like the dust from that pillar. It made like about three or four little wee little scratches up around the top of my bumper. So at least it, and that's one of the things where when it happened, I was like, oh, shit. I thought I hit that car. I was going to have to leave a note and, you know, with my phone number and my insurance and everything. And, uh, but then it wasn't, and the car, the, the car was brand new that was across from us. So it didn't even have a scratch on it. It didn't even have a bump or anything. So I was like, God damn, I hit that fucking pillar, motherfucker. And talk about something that, that really, I wouldn't say it ruined my trip. If I would have hit the other car and there would have been any damage, it 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 would have been like, oh fuck. But um, it was, you know, we laughed about it afterwards. Um, it's funny. Um, several times went to, um, you know, we would go to the store or something, and and I and, and forget something, and that we kept going to this dollar store. And this woman that worked in there, she was really super nice. But if you ever see these commercials on TV, they have these commercials that if you have like crooked teeth, they have these like fake teeth. It's almost like a mouthpiece that you can put over your teeth. And in theory, it it looks like okay. Well, if you have like like jack like teeth that are rotten or or teeth that are just bad or really crooked, you put these things over it and it looks like you have straight white teeth. But when you do it in the if you see the commercial and the person sitting there talking, it's like they're talking like they have buck teeth because when they put the thing over top of it, it makes your teeth look. I mean, it makes your teeth bigger. You know. Well, the woman that worked behind the counter had, uh, and I didn't notice at first, and then when she started talking, I looked, and she had those things, because you could see, like, up around her gums, her other teeth, and uh, she was really nice, though, so I'm not, like, busting her balls or anything, and uh, we, we met some people down there, some, like, uh, other couples and stuff, uh, like, um, um, uh, senior citizen, older couples, I say other couples, like me and my mom were a couple, but anyway... <laughs> <laughs> um met a, a guy that was like 80 years old from um Pitts or from Weirton, West Virginia, which is up around Pittsburgh. And, started, and I, I several of the people I started talking to, I saw they either had a, a Pittsburgh Pirates shirt on, a um Pittsburgh Steelers hat or something like that. So, and there was a guy that had a Buffalo Sabres hockey hat on. I started talking to him at the Lazy River. Um but we went to see one of our things that we always do when we go there is uh, go see like these um, um, impersonators. Like I, I probably talked on the show before, 
uh, I've, I went to see like about five Elvis impersonators down there. Well, we went to the show down there and it was, it's called legends and they have their own theater. And, uh, I was surprised cause it was the middle of the week, but I guess there's people that come down there all the time and they go on bus trips and shit. And, um, this legends, uh, this time they have different, different impersonators, but it's like a show where they have like about five different ones. And they had, um, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis impersonator, Garth Brooks, uh, Barbara Streisand, The Four Tops, and Elvis. And Elvis, of course, is the finale. Um, the Jerry Lee Lewis guy, his last name's Lipinski. And um, he didn't look as much like Jerry Lee Lewis. I've seen some videos of him on YouTube since we came back where he had his hair more like Jerry Lee Lewis. But he actually has his own band, and he goes by his own name. It's I can't remember what the band's name is. Um, but he has like a big pompadour, and he kind of jokingly plays with it because it's really poofed up but he was really good and he fucking could play the goddamn piano like you would not believe i mean just like jerry lee lewis he's playing this fucking piano he's kicking the keys he's crossing his arms he's doing all this wild shit getting up on top of it and everything so he he sounded like jerry lee lewis um and he could really play the piano really really good um the the four tops the impersonators were probably um, well, they were really good. I know we said we thought they were the best. Um, they that they were really good, and they did all the dance moves, the in you know the synchronized dance moves, and of course you know all the songs, and that's sort of the way with uh, Jerry Lee Lewis and Elvis, um, Garth Brooks. I I know a few of those songs, but I was never into him or you know that much into that country music at that time. My mom knew all of them because she's went to see him in concert. The Barbara Streisand one. I knew several of those songs, uh, but her gimmick was more just doing the impersonation, like talking to the crowd and all that shit. Um, but the Elvis guy was really good, and of course my mom loves Elvis, so she gets all excited when he gets up there and starts doing kung fu and stuff. And the guy, the guy looked like a young Elvis when we got there. He had like his um, uh, like army uniform on, like Elvis when he went into the army, or GI Blues, the movie. Uh, I got the one, two, three, four occupation GI blues, um, and um, he came out in like the leather outfit where he did the TV special and did a bunch of songs, and then he went back and then he the, he came out to CC Rider and uh, with the white jumpsuit on, and so he was getting the crowd into it. And he was pretty fucking, he was funny. Um, several of them had like you know, well I think all of them they actually you know had like a little com- comedy thing you know when they were talking to the crowd so you know that was entertaining too and then they had these uh the, the uh two guys and two girls that were the like backup dancers backup singers and the one thing i noticed and i i for the whole goddamn time i was watching one of the backup girl backup singers looked like fucking marilyn chambers uh from okay from porn movies which would be like behind the green door and uh several other ones uh but also then in mainstream movies uh the movie rabid and i don't know if she was in anything i think that was cronenberg um but this girl looked like a young like probably 20 year old Marilyn Chambers. So I was watching her the fucking whole time. So that was fun. Like I said, I mean, you know, it's, it's cheesy, but I still love going because like I said, if you, if you, you know, are a fan of like the fifties and sixties music, um, and you go see these people, you know, every song. And and like I said, and it's funny, like even, um, like the Elvis guys, I like going and watching them because like this guy looked like him, 
but his voice wasn't as good as Elvis. I mean, he was good, but it, it was, he couldn't hit the high notes and stuff like that. Or and uh, but then we went to, we went to see some other guys that maybe didn't look like him as much, but sounded just like him. So I like I said, I'm a fan, and it's it's just fun. It's become like a tradition to go to that that you know kind of stuff. Um, now, other than that, man, I have not been doing much of anything because we came back. Um, and you know the the whole trip driving back was just a fucking hoot. We stopped at this. <laughs> My mom said, "You know, do you need gas or whatever coming back?" And I was like, "No, not really." But she had to go to the restroom, so we found this gas station and pulled up. And I swear to God, I thought, "Well, I don't need to get gas," so I pulled up beside of it, and we get out, and there was like. I don't know what the fucking... I th- I said a chicken at first, but it wasn't a fucking chicken. I don't know what fucking kind of bird this was. It it was sort of looked like a... Um, some kind of pheasant or something, but it must have been... It must have been trained or, a, or somebody's pet or something. Because here's this goddamn fucking chicken like just walking around by the car and it didn't it wasn't scared or anything and i told her when she came out i was like we should grab that fucking chicken and put it in the car and take it back and she goes oh yeah and, you know then i'll shit all over the inside of the car the chicken and i'm and, and lastly okay of the two girls that were putting up the umbrellas the one girl was russian or eastern european i went over to talk to her to to ask her about you know putting it up how much it costs and everything and she she could speak English, but not very well. And um, I, I don't know if she was, I, I, it was broken English. Now the other girl that was putting up the the things, you know, she was, you know, I guess American or whatever. And she was. We were up on the. We stayed on the first floor, but we were, you know, you have the 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 place where we're staying. Then the pool or the lazy river, a sand dune, and then down at the beach. And so it's kind of far away. And we see this girl out there putting up these umbrellas. And my mom goes, is that girl wearing a thong? And I looked and I was like, I don't think she's wearing a thong. I think that uh, her bottoms are just being eaten by, you know, her butt. And it was. And it looked very nice. She came a couple of times that week and... Uh, I went over to pay her, and she was writing me up a receipt, and I was just like, holy shit. I mean, Jesus Christ. But anyway, I'm old, so she was probably like looking at me going, holy shit. Old fart. So, um, I did watch some movies. Uh, Like I said, not a lot. So, I'll go through this, and while my voice is still a bit, uh, still here... And uh, maybe even comment on some other stuff that other people have been watching that maybe I have watched or, you know, would like to see. Um, so bring up some, uh, some uh, what do you call this, uh, uh, silver and gold. Well, maybe I'll look at uh, this uh, gentleman's guide to that cinema. See what everybody's talking about on there too, baby. Um, okay, because uh, my iTunes debacle, it seems like any time that I want to download a movie um, to watch at work uh, the goddamn somehow it gets fucked up and I get mad so I didn't even get mad last night I just took my old because I left the thing connected so I could get the new uh, iTunes 
updates and everything on my on my iPad. So I took my old iPad, which had a few mo- a couple movies on it, uh, and it ended up uh, while I was watching these that I realized that I was watching a Paul Sorvino double feature. <laughs> Okay, the first one, and I've talked about this before, and uh, and again, uh, Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema did a um, episode about it, and shit, I think just about everybody has done an episode about this movie, and this is a 1980s uh, uh, William Friedkin written and directed movie, uh, Cruising, and like I said, I, of, of course, you know, I didn't watch that many movies, I just wanted to get uh, you know, an episode out because I've been on vacation and everything. And one of the movies is something I've already talked about. Now, Rolf, I believe, even said, you know, why don't you talk about those two movies on your next episode? Well, I guess I'll talk about them a little bit here. Um, and try and, you know, find some things that uh, I, didn't, I haven't talked about before on these. Um, but I watched this one, and honest to God, I I bought this on iTunes, so I have it. And, um, I've watched this movie, I don't know how many times, and every single time, it's just fascinating. And I remember, you know, people, when I first saw it, as I said before in another review, you know, just seeing the box cover art, I thought it was a motorcycle movie. Because here's Al Pacino on the cover with the, uh, kind of the, um, sort of Nazi style, or Hugo Boss, because he's the guy that did the the Nazi uniforms, uh, style biker hat and all this leather. Well, of course, we didn't know what it was about. And my friend and I watched it on VHS when the VHS stores first started. And when we were done watching it, we were kind of like, well, you know, what the fuck? (laughs) Especially the ending, because it was kind of like, okay, now, wait a minute. You know, this is, what are we supposed to think here and everything? And um, like I said, that was during college days. And that was a long time ago, baby. But the more I watch this movie, the more I like it because of how Friedkin kind of twist your brain by giving you, I don't even know, I guess you would say red herrings, um, but playing with your mind by putting, showing as far as the killer goes... Um, he, a lot of times you would never see the killer's face, but you would see their mouth and he would switch them up because you had, uh, probably, I don't know, five different people, suspects that uh, you as the viewer are seeing as suspects or think they're suspects and he would show their mouth, but, but then also play with your mind because when they're, when he's showing the guy, the guy's going to kill somebody or is killing them. But he uses a different actor. You just see the avi- the mirror aviator sunglasses, and if you've watched it enough, you recognize. If he just shows the mouth, you recognize whose mouth it is because several of them have, like the one guy has a gap between his front teeth, the one actor, and this and that. But he also fucks with your head because he is showing you this different person close-ups of their mouth and their and their aviator sunglasses but he changes the voices so if one guy if one actor is actually in it they'll show another actor but use that guy's voice and dub it 
And I know there was some, a lot of stuff in it that was dubbed simply because the movie was being protested by the gay community, uh, and they tried to disrupt uh, the shoot of the movie, the entire movie. So they would be out in the street blowing horns, making noise, uh, ringing bells, doing whatever, shouting, chanting. So they couldn't get good audio, so they had to go in and dub a lot of it. Um, again, you see a lot of faces that you'll you'll recognize, which is also fun to watch. And like I said, this uh, Paul Sorvino double feature that I have, uh, you know, with uh, the next movie coming up. But you have Karen Allen, who was in, uh, you know, Animal House and um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. She's really cute and cute in this. She's young. Um, Joe Spinell is in it and just sweaty and greasy and sleazy. And um, he is a policeman who's kind of in, you know, um, I guess you would say in the closet. And maybe that's why he's so goddamn angry, because he's bitching about his uh, wife leaving him, taking the kids and everything. But then when they go, when Pacino goes to the, the, the gay leather bars uh, and he's being cruised by these guys and you see people walking by and checking him out, one of them is Joe Spinell, who also... Um, uh, checks him out in the park in the the uh, the Rambles, which is a place uh, you know uh, in New York where in uh, I think Central Park where these gay guys would go and and meet in Central Park and then they go up in the woods and stuff and do their thing. Daddy, BB, uh, the BB. Uh, Sonny Grosso was in this, who was the uh, real um, life detective that Roy Scheider played in The French Connection. Um, and he plays a cop in this. Ed O'Neill, Al Bundy. There's a lot of people in this um, that you'll see and recognize. And like I said, it's just a, it's fun to, to watch. And then Friedkin did a um, a uh, uh, made for documentary for the DVD, which is also uh, cool to watch. You got some music in this by the Germs. And uh, when I first watched this, I even I think I even commented maybe when we reviewed it that I hated the music in this. I thought it was ZZ Top a couple of times. You know, it's like what's this? You know, this music. When I close my eyes, I see blood. When I close my eyes, I see blood. You know, uh, and uh, but the more I watch it, you know, the more I appreciate the music. But all, but I did um, from I think from the book, which takes place before this movie. Uh, was was uh, the time period that this movie the movie takes place? I think the book takes place. You know, uh, more. Well, I don't know. I think it took place took took place in the seven early seventies, maybe. And I'm not sure. See, I haven't read the book, but I I'm thinking for some reason I'm thinking that it did not have the leather bar um, uh, BDSM. Uh, stuff in it. It was just more like, you know, like I said, the gay um, cruising and the gay lifestyle and stuff like that, which, you know, at that time was frowned on and, and, uh, and, um, well, and the, the police would just harass the shit out of these guys. You know, uh, if you watch the movie Milk with Sean Penn, you'll see a lot of that where they, they'll come in and bust these guys and put them in jail and everything else. Um, so I would be curious, and I and I I really should I, I really would like to read the book uh, to see the differences. But I do remember I think somebody saying that 
the music that they played in in this movie, which was made, like I said, in I think it was in 1980, um, they have a lot of punk uh, rock music in it. Whereas, I believe I either read this or saw it on a documentary about it or something, that the music um, was not synonymous with uh, the gay bar culture at that time or whatever it would have been more i think disco music you know just um you know burn baby burn disco inferno or uh everybody wants you casey the sunshine band you know stuff like that which i love that music too like i said you know when when uh uh watching uh kingsman uh i had spoken before about you know uh friends of mine that are younger watching that movie and they love that song and they're like who is that it's fucking casey and such no and i'm like yeah man it's it's good shit you know i never i never understood the uh you know that snobbery of death before disco and taking the albums out and burning them because you know greg allman going off about they don't they're not real musicians they use synthesizers and all this and that which you know fuck like the bgs they all played instruments um, but every it's to me it's like anything else. It's to each his own. Um, and I've been I have been um, guilty of doing the same thing because like when uh, rap and hip hop first came out, I was like, ah, oh, I hate this shit. Uh, you know, not when it first came out because when it first came out, I, I really was only I think maybe like in uh, senior in high school. Uh, uh, freshman in college and I remember my friends starting to talk about the Sugar Hill Gang and stuff like that um, but I rejected it to some extent but like I said um, uh, and then grew more into it because I would start realizing that I knew a lot of these songs and I knew them from commercials I knew them from ECW Wrestling which would use a lot of them for uh, you know uh, coming to the ring and just stuff that just seeps into your brain you know just from living in the culture but I also remember when I was a kid rejecting a lot of the music that um, like if my sister who's four years older um, like Peter Frampton Frampton Comes Alive I'd be like ah I hate that shit because I would have would be listening to something else. I, at the time, I might be into like uh, the Beach Boys or something like that. I remember my one sister uh, liking, you know, when Fleetwood Mac Rumors was the big album. She played it endlessly, and that's probably why some of the reason I some of that music I rejected was because they would put the same album on and just play it over and over and over. But you know, I think everybody rejects um, certain music for whatever reason and i think a lot of it was just uh my maturing uh in just in my life but not only that but in my musical taste because a lot of the stuff that they listened to that when i was young i would say oh i hate the doors or i hate this or i hate that or you know whether it's the clash or whoever then i came to find that you know a few years later I discovered it myself and I liked it. And that's the same thing with movies. I've had movies before where I've been, like my dad watched Once Upon a Time in the West and my friend Jim and I were sitting there and we're like, holy shit, this movie is so monotonous and it's so long. And, uh, you know, Leone, they just sit there and stare at each other and play the goddamn fucking harmonica. And the movie's like three plus hours long or whatever. And my dad's like, oh man, this is a fucking great movie. He loved Charles Bronson. But then... 
when I got older and I started watching, and I was like, man, I, I fucking watch that movie all the time. Jason Robards, uh, Claudia Car- Cardinale, who I love. I mean, my God, those eyes. She's just so, just so gorgeous. And, um, and of course, Bronson and, and uh, Henry Fonda, Jesus Christ, so iconic. But like I said, at the time, I wasn't, maybe I wasn't ready for it. Uh, I was younger and I, and in a, in a really long movie like that, um, it was hard for me to sit there and and to understand the building of the of the um uh the tension and uh, and all that uh you know i do remember watching some movies on tv because before vhs and you had a james bond movie that would come on sunday night and it would start at like eight o'clock and it wouldn't finish until like eleven thirty because with the commercials and everything and some of the ones that they would they would actually do it in two parts. You would watch, you know, the first part of the same, maybe like the Ten Commandments or or something like that. And then you would, and then the next night they would show the the second part if they'd actually break it up. Um, so you know, and, and that's I think that when you're really young, when you're in like grade school and stuff like that, that's a an attention span thing too. But I do remember watching a lot of Godzilla movies and stuff like that uh, in the afternoon. Um, so anyway, again, like I said, with cruising, I've covered it before. Um, just looking here at, at the IMDb page, just to give us a little bit more here to look at. Um, uh, sea of Love uh, with Al Pacino. I really like that one. That was one um, that uh, when when anytime I see Ellen Barkin, um, she's on that uh, Animal Kingdom TV show, which is based on the... Uh, movie Animal Kingdom. I think I think I've seen a few episodes of it, and of course now she's like a gilf. But when she was in Sea of Love, I mean she was known. I, I mean just for, I mean what a body on her back then. And and of course Al Pacino. What was funny was I liked it because it's a cop movie and it's um it's kind of sleazy because there's a, a guy going around murdering women like, like gonna have sex with them and murder them, and he plays you know. Come with me, my love, to the sea, the sea of love. And he plays it on a forty-five while he's murdering these people. And uh, Al Pacino's an alcoholic detective. And um, like I said, I, I really like that one. It's it's not like you know uh, uh, what I would call a great movie, but it's it's a good like uh, like I said like a sleazy thriller. Uh, and the one thing that I remember from that was Ellen Barkin having such a hot body because there's a couple of scenes where she um, comes, you know, they're they're seeing each other and uh, he's in like a store or something and she comes in to seduce him and has this really tight dress on and I mean, like I said, she was just built like a brick shit house. And but the funny thing was every time Pacino would um, have a have a like. A sex scene with her, he would always have this big baggy like T-shirt on. Like he wouldn't take his T-shirt off. So I don't know if Al had you know uh, bitch tits or what. If he didn't have a very good body, but now that I think about, it, I don't ever, I don't really remember him that much. Even like in cruising, well, they showed him face down and they showed his ass. That he was naked, face down, hogtied by Skip. <laughs> <laughs> and cruising, who he thought might be the killer. Now, how embarrassing would that be? Like you're under an undercover cop, and and you're you're, you're uh, going after this uh, serial uh, sexual serial killer, and uh, when when all your uh, f- uh, 
fellow detectives come busting in, you're hogtied completely naked, and he was like, you came in too soon, you came in too soon. It's like, well, what the fuck? Okay, if he is the killer, then you would be dead if we didn't come in now because he's got you hogtied uh, like, the, like the, the other guy. But not only that, but... If we wouldn't have come in too soon and he's not the killer, you might have a big dildo or a fist or something like that stuck up your ass. Now, if you see this movie, then um, there's a there's a, a question um, with how Al is acting and looking in the mirror at the end of the movie that uh, he might have uh, be a little bit in the closet too. So maybe he, you know, might have wanted him to break in a little bit late so he could experience some uh, skip. Some skipper in the pooper. <laughs> okay, so the next thing I watched in the Paul Sorvino um, double 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 feature um, was the 1974 movie directed by Carl Reis and written by James Toback, and it's uh, The Gambler. Um, and again, I don't know, I'm sure I maybe have talked about uh, watching this one before. Considering again, this is one of my purchases, and it's uh, it's a go-to after I've let it sit for a while because I really like it. And there's two there's two things to talk, well more than two things to talk about this movie, but you'll see the other the other thing that we're going to get some content out of when I talk about this movie. Burp. Und drink, drink, Brust. Um, I like this movie a lot. I, I like movies about addiction and how people are that are addicted to something are compelled, whether it's uh, shame with Michael Fassbender, the sexual addiction, uh, this movie, the gambling addiction, or owning Mahoney with, um, um, what's that fucker's name? God damn it. Draw a blank on Philip Seymour Hoffman? I don't think so. I just had to go in the special room in my brain and find it. Uh, Owning Mahoney. Um, other, I'm trying to think of other gambling addiction movies. Maybe you all can give me some feedback on other... How about this? Other movies about addiction. They can be, they can be about drugs or alcohol. Uh, but all, but uh, try and come up with some ones that aren't about, not necessarily as much about um, drugs or alcohol. Other movies about addiction. Um, but I like this movie. It's it's uh, it's an interesting character study, and getting into the mind of this guy that um, his impulse uh, control. And um, just the almost like the psychology of why he's doing this. It's almost like a you. I, I want to use the term "born loser" um, because it's almost like a, the kind of person that has to lose, even if he wins. If he would win ten million dollars. This fucker would go out and lose every fucking penny of it. Um, he's addicted to the rush or the juice. Uh, he's addicted to, um, of course, of when I say the, I think he's addicted to the um, the adrenaline and everything, but. 
as far as the psychology of it, of course you have the the endorphins and everything that probably you know come out, but even when he's gambling, winning or losing, I don't think that's the rush. Now that I'm thinking about watching this movie, at the beginning he's just losing and losing and losing. He can't stop himself. Then there's a point in the movie where he's he's on and it's everything's hitting and he's winning. But when you look at him, it's not like he's cheering and he's overjoyed. It's like he's in almost like in limbo. He's like in this state of um The only thing I can think of to say is almost like a state of limbo. He's he's like outside of himself. When when I say about the rush and the adrenaline and everything, that is the build up and the making of the bet. It just is building and building and building and it's this urge and it's just building. Now, of course, like it's like a drug addict when he hits rock bottom then he's like, I'm never going to do this again now. But that only lasts for a short period of time because it starts to build and it starts to build. And he's he and he's telling himself, you know, okay, I'm not going to do this. My mom, you know, da da da, borrowing money. It's humiliating, but it keeps building. Y'all, come on, uh, with heroin, a junkie, one more shot. Come on, one time won't hurt. You know, nobody will know. Uh, and then he it builds and builds and builds, and he has to have that release. The, the build-up uh, or the masturbation of it is the build-up. It's the foreplay. And then when he um, when he picks up that fucking phone and he's talking to those bookies and they're giving him shit because he owes money or he hasn't paid back and he's like, you know, he's getting pissed and he's like, come on, come on, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. And then he they say, okay, we'll take the fucking bet. It's almost like he pops his nut. He busts his nut. It's that's his his orgasm. Then after that, everything else is anticlimactic. When he's gambling and he wins, uh, just Khan plays it perfectly. It's um, like I said, it's almost like after sex when you, as the male, I don't know, I can't speak from a female perspective, but you have the orgasm and you're just kind of like outside yourself laying there. You're just kind of uh, in a state of limbo. and not I, w- I don't want to say shock, but like, um, it's hard to, it's hard to explain or to, but like I said, the, the, the way Khan plays it, um, he almost has this when they talk about like Vietnam vets or any vets that come back and they say they have that thousand yard stare that's sort of how he looks when he's gambling when he's winning yeah he's sitting there and he might have a smile on his face or whatever but when he's sitting there it's like I don't know I'm just going by what he's giving me as an actor but it's like his mind is going but he has to fucking lose I mean, um, I'm trying to equate this to like a drug drug addict or uh, Nicholas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. 
uh, he meets this girl. She falls in love with him because she's a prostitute, but she likes him so much that she says, you know, she actually is in love with him. And um, I don't think it's as much a sexual thing because for, from what I remember, he he really can't even get it up. He'll pay her to come sleep with him and everything. And I think, of course, in one part of the movie, he does actually have sex with her. But he has to fucking lose. He has to, when they say about hitting rock bottom, um, these these people... I've heard people say and explain that, um, especially like with gambling addicts, that they're not happy. I guess, you know, like I said, from a psychology thing, I'd have to read up more about it, but they are internally unhappy, and the only way to cure it is to get to, and this is with any kind of addiction or probably a lot of mental illness, um, you know, a lot of it could be chalked up to a chemical imbalance, which can be treated with medication. But, and I'm sure with with even with these gambling addicts, there's so much going on in the human brain that where it releases endorphins and things like that. And again, like the the um, orgasm, those endorphins are released, so you get almost like a euphoric high. But, uh, and I, I look at this like with my dad with diabetes. I mean, he eats all this sugar. He doesn't watch what he eats. Well, when he eats that sugar, for a moment, he gets like a high. He, it makes him feel really good. But then for that brief moment, then he turns into goddamn Jekyll and Hyde, or just Hyde. Uh, he gets real mean. He gets real nasty and everything. And uh, I think that's probably how a lot of these people are like with Fassbender in shame with the sexual addiction he was almost like a, a female um, that's a nymphomaniac um, they have that inner turmoil or inner hatred or inner sadness and even the sex gives them well, first of all, they have the compulsion. You gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it. Like Fassbender and Shame, like James Caan in this movie, like Nicolas Cage in Leaving Las Vegas. They have that, gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta have it high. But it's like the candle that burns, you know, twice as brightly, burns half as long. You get that intense, like with heroin addicts, you get that intense uh, euphoria or cocaine addicts that in, you know, that bouncing off the walls energy. But it only lasts for a short period of time, and then you crash, and you are in that self-loathing uh, stage. And you know the thing about hitting rock bottom. You know, well, like with in the gambler, rock bottom, and in train spotting, uh, which was heroin addiction. Everybody has their own rock bottom, and some people, you know, that bottom is so far down that it kills them. They they die before, you know, they can pull out of that uh, spiraling, you know, airplane heading, you know, 100 miles an hour toward the ground. And Khan, in this movie, he goes back and forth. He, bur- he buries himself. He is burying himself so fucking far 
in the hole that you're just sitting there going, what the fuck? Because he, even before the, right when the movie starts, I mean, he, he's buried himself $44,000. This is 1974, $44,000. And I think Sorvino even says, you know, that's like six Cadillac Eldorados or something, you know? So, I mean, that just shows you, I mean, nowadays, what will that be like, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't looked up how much a catalog, Cadillac cost in a while, but say sixty to eighty thousand dollars, or maybe even a little bit more than that, you know, um, for one car. Um, but he's he's at the beginning he's buried. He has a way out, so he has like a lot of people that suffer addiction. He has enablers. Okay, his grandfather owns like a hundred furniture stores all across America. Biggest furniture chain in the United States. He lives in a mansion. Uh, these people like adore him. He's almost like a Don Cor, the Don Corleone of uh, of um, fucking um, furniture stores. Uh, and his mom is a doctor, so she has money. I mean, of course, not as much as his grandpa, who's probably at the time a multimillionaire, but her, his mom probably makes six figures. So he's got them, and he knows that he can go to them and get money. Um, he hates it. Um, it makes you wonder. I guess his father had passed away. I'm just looking for you know you don't you don't get into it enough to I think to to really his backstory other than his grandfather um was i think uh they say uh he stabbed a, a cossack so it may, you know his grandfather was either uh they're jewish he's either a polish jew or maybe a russian jew um uh the cossack was beating his mother and he stabbed him to save her and then they came to the United States, and he was kind of like a maybe like a Meyer Lansky kind of a person, because uh, he said he was a a, a street kind of a, um, he he sugarcoated it, but kind of a a, a a criminal, and then he took the money and turned it into you know uh, legit business, uh, maybe like Don Corleone with the olive oil business, you know, but I don't think he was still involved in in crime when this movie's going on. Um, but he he buries himself and then he he hates having to ask his mother for money and, and from the way it's portrayed uh she knows about his problem with addiction they've been through this before and she goes oh god you're not you're not gambling again and uh then when he tells her how much money he owes she's like oh my god um so you think okay a normal person okay say i got say i did get in a car wreck or something like that and uh for some reason i don't have insurance or something happens where i don't have the money and i have to ask my parents for money to help bail me out as a normal person of course i would hate that um but and then they loan me the money okay again as a normal person i would do everything i could to pay them back as much as I could and pay them back in full as fast as I could. And, um, but he has this monkey on his back or this demon, his demons. And even when he gets the money, 
he goes and gambles. He's already he's still forty four thousand in the hole to bookies who are going to beat the shit out of him. And you have a a really uh, 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 cool um, appearance by Burt Young in this, who also was with James Caan in um, the Killer Elite. Um, but he goes and gambles and wins a shitload of money. So he's not only has the money to pay back his mother, he has the money to pay back the gamblers, and he still fucks it up. It's like, this guy, if he has enough time, he is a bookie's wet dream to an extent. Because once you get past a certain point and you can't pay it back, then... I mean, yeah, they might break his fingers or break his elbows or whatever, but if he still can't pay it back, they're going to find a way to put him to work. They're going to, it's like um, Pope of Greenwich Village with Mickey Rourke and uh, Eric Roberts. Uh, They're going to find a way that they're going to get their money back. And they do in this movie. But it's just so interesting. the dynamics of addiction. And this is one of the movies that is is does it really well. I think they said it's based on a Dostoevsky novel. Um so, you know, like I said, that's another one, you know, be interesting to to check out to read. Uh if I could get my nose out of comic books. Uh I think the older I'm getting, the worse I am. I I'll sit down to just fucking read a comic book and and for some reason I'll just be like ah, I'll read a few pages and be like fuck I want to go to sleep you know um, but so The Gambler is a big recommendation and in all those movies that I was talking about whether it's Owning Mahoney Pope of Greenwich Village, Leaving Las Vegas Shame with that Michael Fassbender um, a lo- uh, what um, Panic in Needle Park uh, I can, you can always come up with uh, drug uh, addiction movies. Uh, it's just uh, that whole subject, no matter how many times it's been done, train spotting, no matter how many times it's been done, it's interesting. Um, because there are so many different kinds of addiction. Um, I I wonder, because I'm going to be talking about another uh, just off the top of my head, it just came to me. I'm going to be talking about another kind of addiction, and they talk about uh, some of the stuff and the um, not just the mental uh, but what I'm going to be talking about coming up is also talk about the um, the chemical um, the internal physiology and chemical um, things that go on with addiction. So anyway moving on from the, the, the jambler, jambler with jamscon uh, the second part, when I promised that uh, there was another thing to talk about, um, when you talk about the gambler with James Caan, uh, which was done in 1974, forty years later, <laughs> this asshole uh, decides, and he's got enough power in Hollywood that I'm pretty sure that he was behind this, because he wanted to prove that he's a great actor. And the guy that I'm talking about about is Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Now, you all know that I hate Mark Wahlberg. Um, 
Again, we've covered this a million times. I don't hate every movie he's in, kind of like Shooter. Um, in spite of him, he wasn't bad in that. There are certain types of movies that he's not bad in. Um, whatever the hell that fucking movie was with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jack Nicholson. He plays a Boston cop who's a fucking hard ass. And, of course, you know he fancies himself, uh, I think, in real life probably as a Boston hard ass who stomped a fucking old Asian guy's eyeball out when he was a kid. Uh, so I don't like him for that reason. Of course, everybody can change. But this motherfucker, okay, let's get into this. He made a movie called The Gambler in 2014. And this is basically the same fucking movie that I was just talking about with James Caan. Because it is um, written by uh, James Toback. The The uh, screenwriter for this one was William Monahan. Uh, this is a piece of shit. I hate this fucking movie. I'll never watch it again. Mark Wahlberg thinks that he... I think that he was trying to prove that he was a good actor or a method actor or whatever. He fucking sucks so bad in this that it's like he's trying to show that he's almost like a zombie. He doesn't care about anything. Uh, he's a goddamn... He's like... Um, he looks... Uh, he makes. He looks really skinny and just looks like shit. Uh, he does everything he can. I think in his, I think in fucking Mark Wahlberg's mind, he thought that he would get like an Academy Award for this because he was proven what a great actor he is, you know. And he's just fucking sucks. Uh, <laughs> Brie Larson is in this now. Okay, now I will say this: I said I would never watch this again. I did know probably at the time. Uh, until I watched Short Term 12. I probably, I guarantee I watched this before Short Term 12. And I didn't know who Brie Larson was. I would like to see her in this, but I'm not going to watch it because I fucking hate him. And this movie is a piece of fucking dung. Um, Comparing this to the movie with James Caan is like comparing a pile of shit to uh, that pecan pumpkin pie straight out of the oven that I posted a picture of the other day that I'm just talking about it right now is making my fucking mouth water. I hate this motherfucker in this movie. Now, he might be the nicest guy in the world and if I met him, he'd probably be cool. Probably be a nice guy. Um, Like I said, some of the movies he's in aren't that bad. I can't stand his giant Triple H wrinkled forehead probably from doing steroids or HGH. Uh, his giant flare. He thinks okay. Now in this movie, I don't think he. I don't think he flares his giant nostrils as much in this one because he's low key in it. He's low key in it. You know, I don't. I don't care. I just don't. You know, um, um, I got a twenty-one and I'm playing blackjack. I put ten thousand dollars down. Hit on twenty-one. You know, he just. I don't, I don't care. I don't care about anything. I'm just so fucking. I'm just so, I'm, I'm an addict. I'm a gambler. He's horrible. He doesn't get it. He's fucking horrible. His acting is fucking horrible. Okay. Um, some people might like this movie. I think somebody commented on Gentleman's Guide that they thought this movie was pretty good. To each his own. This is Mark Wahlberg trying to be the modern day James Caan. Except there's one thing. James Caan is a good actor. And James Caan even has his little mannerisms and stuff, that his go-to mannerisms that his little midget son even tries to do. Uh, 
But so I mean, and that's any actor. If you watch them long enough, uh, whether it's John Wayne, Steve McQueen, James Garner, whoever, uh, Lee Marvin, they have their little go-to things. Mark Wahlberg sucks, and to to even fucking mention him in in that sentence, he he is more like Scott Con than James Con, and he just sucks. That's the, that, and again, that's a that's a Mark Wahlberg rant. Um, Maybe I should watch this again and give it a second chance. I don't know. Brie Larson's in it. I like Jessica Lange. Uh, she plays his mother in this. Um, I think George Kennedy plays his grandfather. And John Goodman's it. This is a piece of shit. I don't remember anything good about it. Other, and, I, and I remember that Mark Wahlberg was fucking horrible. And just watching... And, and maybe, playing the devil's advocate, maybe... I am letting my dislike for him. He sucks. I'm sorry. This is. I got to take a breath. It's almost two hours long of Mark Wahlberg trying to prove that he's a good actor and failing. And there's a gnat in here that is as annoying as Mark Wahlberg. Watch the documentary on Netflix Install Wash. And if you're in the um, Gentleman's Guide to Comics group, I posted it on there. It's called Sex in the Comics. Um, C-O-M-I-X. Sex in the Comics. Um, one reason that I like this is because I'm a fan of the documentary Crumb. And you watch that documentary and you see um, Robert Crumb. And it's like a, a time capsule because now every time I think of Robert Crumb, I think of him in that movie and I haven't really seen him in anything else since then, so um, I just think of him as that age when they made that documentary. Well, he is in this fairly prominently. Um, this is a documentary about erotic comics. I learned a lot because there are, are um, they cover um, Japanese manga. Uh, they cover uh, some French artists that do French comics and, uh, you know, uh, um, erotic comic books and um, from different cultures, from different countries. But also, <coughs> dig it, um, they show a lot of the different styles. They talk to some um, female artists and male artists and... Uh, like Crumb says straight out, he goes, you know, a lot of the stuff I drew, you know, I would masturbate to, and people would be like, you know, Crumb, why do you, why do you draw this shit? Why are you drawing this stuff that, you know, gets you off? But you know, and and he's like, hey, I'm just being honest. Yeah, he's one of these guys that he, I mean, Crumb is fucking straight up honest, and he doesn't give a fuck. Uh, but then you get the female perspective, and, and um, I like that because it, it gives, it gives a different view of um, how they feel about what they're drawing uh, and it gives a view of overall the, the whole documentary of why with like say so much pornography on the internet why some people go to erotic comics um, the things that you know you would think okay if I can sit there and watch pretty much any any type of girl from fat to skinny to uh, African American, uh, Asian, uh, girls with blonde hair, red hair, brown hair, uh, you know, hairy, not hairy, whatever. Um, why would I read these comics? And, you know, it, ex- it explains a lot. But 
Um, it doesn't, you know, you can't just come out and say this is the reason, but you get a lot of different people talking about the, their views of why, their views of why they draw what they draw, uh, fans' views of why they like that, um, and it was pretty cool. I, I, anything that's um, in that in the comic uh, genre, I'm interested in, especially something like this, because I've never really, uh, I've of course, you know, a lot of superhero comics uh, either get a bad rap or people like them because they have a lot of sexuality and sexualization of women. And I say sexualization of women uh, because of, like, the way you hear, like, with the Spider-Woman controversy and stuff like that where they draw the women in, like, tight spandex or or the bottoms going up the crack of their ass that they're fighting in, in a costume that, you know... You know who would ever fight in this costume? It's like a a one piece bathing suit that goes almost like a thong up the crack of their ass or whatever. Lady Death, uh, Vampirella, all these different ones like that. But when you, I, I always bring this up when they show the guys. I mean, the guy, the 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 male superheroes are wearing tight spandex and a lot of times get their shirts ripped off and they show their bare chest and you know. So it's like when people bitch about in movies, oh, you know, well, they show Jennifer Lawrence and, you know, with her tits hanging out or whatever. And I'm like, well, okay. What about when Matthew McConaughey takes his shirt off every two seconds or Matt Damon or Ben Affleck or Hugh Jackman's got his shirt off with the fucking veins and all this shit. Michael Fassbender standing there pissing with his cock hanging down between his legs. So give me a break, women. Don't give me any shit. Because I'll take you out to dinner for coconut shrimp daddy yeah anyway baby next thing i'm moving on to was uh another documentary that's on netflix uh it's called heroin and again we were just talking about the gambling addiction and everything and when i was this is based in huntington west virginia the state that i live in so it's interesting to me as far as that goes uh one of the women that they follow around is um i think there's basically three women that are covered in this uh, well, more than that, but the the three that aren't addicts uh, is one that's um, the first uh, female fire marshal in maybe all of West Virginia. Maybe I don't know. I don't know if I would say the United States, I can't remember. But um, she actually goes around and she said, you know, uh, say ten years ago, they might have had one overdose, one to two overdoses a year, and now they're up to six to seven a day. On heroin and um, opioids, opiates. Um, they show, they follow her around, going to these places where they'll have an overdose, and she goes in, and the you know person has overdosed on drugs, still got the needle in their arm. Um, they have that new drug that um, has almost like a computerized injection thing, and they're giving it to all the uh, EMTs and police and stuff like that to save people from overdose. Um, uh, when they put it up against the person's leg, you know, right through their pants or whatever, um, it'll say, you know, uh, count injection counting down in three, two, one, and then it'll do it and it'll say injection successful. Well, this drug, uh, what I was talking about with the gambling addiction, and this again will come up in another documentary about a certain type of addiction that I watched, um, when the opiates go into your body and they get to a certain part of your brain, if it's too much, it will shut down your respiratory system. Now, this drug uh, that they give them to save them, um, 
blocks that. It blocks the opiates to that part of your brain. These people will be dying. Their respiratory system is shut down. They're turning purple. They, they are not breathing. Their heart has stopped and everything. They'll give them a shot of this shit. And as soon as they give them a shot of it, nine times out of ten, they just it's like um, Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction when they got the adrenaline shot to the heart. As soon as they give it to them, they just come around. And it's just like they're, you know, of course they takes them a while to get, you know, to be fine. But, I mean, they, they're not... They're, they come out of their oh, uh, overdose. So you see that a lot. Uh, like I said, there's three women. There's a, a woman that runs the uh, drug court, the judge. And uh, you see the these people coming in. Just, you know, uh, there's a lot of places in West Virginia that are having a big opiate uh, uh, addiction problem, heroin and stuff like that. Um, and... You see her in the drug court, the people coming in uh, that have fucked up again, that were getting clean and have fucked up and they're back in there. You see people that come in that have went through the whole program and everything that she, they come in and they say, hey, you know, we've done this, we've done that, I've been clean for all this period of time, I'm going through and, and I'm, and you know, the, the, the good part of that, uh, people that have just gotten busted. Uh, and then the other lady is a woman that I think she works for a church or a, you know, it's a religious uh, group and they go around, uh, she goes around by herself in a van and uh, gives like food, like bag lunches or dinners or whatever food to uh, these people that are on the street, uh, whether it's prostitutes or, you know, homeless people that are have drug addiction or, what, or you know, any kind of addiction and trying to help them out. Um, she will take them to or she'll actually help them get in contact with shelters or take them to a shelter. She gets to know these people and becomes friends with them and stuff, so she really cares about them. Uh, I had a friend that I was telling this about, and I was telling him about that drug that they're giving to these people to save these people, and he was like, I just let them die. Just let them die. You know, I, I think his sister-in-law is on drugs, and, um, you know, he get, he's like, I, I wish she would just, you know, she, she fell back into it, and I wish she would just, you know, I, I guess just from all the stuff that she's put them through and her his brother and everything, uh, you know, he's he's just like, you know, I just wish she would just, you know, if it happened to her, he goes, I wouldn't save her. The the perspective of the the people in the movie, especially uh, the ones that are out there actually trying to save them. Now, uh, some of the EMTs and the police were actually saying, you know, you get jaded from this because you might go out and find the same person you know, over and over and over ODing or you see a lot of the stuff that they do, like maybe robbing people and things like that. And you become very jaded and very, um, hardened. Your heart becomes very hardened towards these people. Now the, the lady that was the female fire chief and the, and the, and, uh, well, the, even the judge and, and the other lady that worked for the, uh, the van thing, um, especially the fire chief, her perspective was I might, if you have this drug with you to save these people that are overdosing, he said, she said, um, I might have to do this 55 times to the same person. But she said on that 55th time, that person might, it might change their life around. They might go out and, and it, they might've hit rock bottom and they, they might've come out of it. And there's somebody's daughter. There's somebody's, 
you know, granddaughter, somebody's wife, uh, mother, you know, whatever. And uh, so, you know, with her, there was always hope. There was always compassion. And a lot of that, I think, has to do with her, you know, it's it's almost like the racism thing uh, when you're when, or the uh, bigotry thing where if you're not around uh, gay people, you know, gay or lesbian uh, people, if you're not around uh, uh, African-Americans or Hispanics or Asian people, uh, then if, you, if you're if, if you're not around these people on a daily basis, then it's easy to have them be the other. And it's the same thing with these people that are drug addicts. Um, when all you see is in the news, you know, this person broke into a pharmacy or this person robbed somebody or this person did something horrible on drugs, uh, um, if it's a violent drug offender, yeah, then they should pay the price and go to prison if they kill somebody or do something, like I said, a violent crime. Uh, if it's a nonviolent drug offender... Um, and hopefully when, when you put them in jail for that violent crime, hopefully they'll, they will be able to still get off the drugs and maybe eventually become a, uh, constructive member of society, even in, if it's in prison, instead of being a gang banger or a violent person in prison or whatever, maybe turn it around if, if you're never going to get out, but also if you are going to get out, come out a better person, get off that shit. So that was one thing that I, comparing what the people in the movie were saying who are around these people, dealing with them every day, trying to save them and getting to know them personally and like I said, my uh, co-worker or whatever that has had a bad experience is just like, fuck them all. You know, fuck them. Uh, moving on from that one. I watched... What did I watch IMDb? Why are you giving me nothing? You're giving me nothing. What the hell? Oh, oh no, there it is. I'm sorry. It was so hard to see because Tom Cruise is so small. I watched 2017's The Mummy, uh, which was directed by Alex Kurtzman. Written by David Cope, or David Cope. Uh, that's the screenplay. And um, let's see here. We have uh, Tom Cruise of the Scientology fame and running and leaping and jumping. The the uh, sunken chest, the big ass and hips, uh, the hair dye, and the puffy face. And we also have Sophia Botella. And Annabelle Wallace. And uh, who's this motherfucker that's in this star with him in this? Uh, Russell Crowe. And then Jake Johnson and Courtney B. Vance. I remember seeing him in this. Uh, I like Courtney B. Vance. Uh, first thing I maybe saw him in was Hamburger Hill, the Vietnam movie that came out after Platoon when they had a glut of Vietnam movies. Um, that was a pretty good movie. Um, I think it was a very realistic Vietnam War movie. Uh, and in that, it was good. I think it, I, I think it showed, uh, I think it was, uh, like I said, a lot of realism. But the whole movie was them taking this meaningless fucking hill uh, where these Vietnamese are, like, up on top of this hill and the... the uh, 82nd Airborne or whoever it is, guys are trying to go up the hill and uh, the hill just gets bombarded and just turns into a fucking 
ghosts from uh, like trees and everything like you know out in the woods and then with all the shelling and everything then it just becomes just you know uh, uh, torn and tattered wasteland and then with the rain you know they're trying to climb up and get a foothold and it's just mud uh, but it's the scenes it's, it has brutal that movie had brutal violence in it realistic brutal violence in it but I think the scenes in between in between the battles where they are um you know, sitting around just talking about life and what's going on and everything. But Courtney B. Vance was in that. And I, like I said, I think that might have been the first thing I saw him in. And then he was in the uh, he was in Law. Uh, I think uh, Law and Order. Uh, was it Law and Order? Criminal Intent. One of those two. Um, let me have a drink, people. Getting the frog in the throat. You know what I'm saying, motherfucker. Um, but the mummy. Okay, I I didn't go see it in the theater. Waited, and uh, my friend had it, and I I decided to watch it. The chick that was um in Kingsman, with the uh, razor, uh, it looked like almost like a, a sewing machine with the pointy things. Uh, if you've ever used a sewing machine, the needle kind of goes down through this little skid. That's what her two legs look like, and that is uh, Sophia Botella. Botella. Ah, uh, she's pretty. Um, she is uh, a meanie in this. She's very mean. Uh, Tom Cruise. <sighs> Let me. What can I say about this? I'm completely distracted by his dark hair. I've said this before. He dyes his hair, and Tom. Okay, if you're going to dye your hair, do it in a subtle way and leave a little bit of gray. When it is that dark with no gray whatsoever, it distracts me. It distracts me almost as much as... Now, Tom Cruise does work out. I mean, he's a Scientologist, and he goes for it, dude. He's He goes for physical perfection because uh, uh, LRH, uh, you know, it, 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 he's basically Jesus of Scientology, Tom Cruise. He's spreading the word and all this crap. Not doing a very good job because I don't remember Jesus jumping on a couch or bitching at Matt Lauer about being glib. He may have bitched at Judas or something, and maybe that's why Judas you know, said, Hey, Jesus, quit dyeing your hair so much. Um, but Tom Cruise is in shape, but I've even noticed this back in his older movies. He has a weird-shaped chest. His, like, where I would say... I don't know how to put it. He has a weird-shaped chest. His chest is, like, long at the top. Like, his nipples <laughs> are about six inches, I think. It seems like they're lower than what they should be. Like, his pecs are flat. He's 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 lean, because you can see, like, his stomach. Like, before a movie, I guarantee you, he, he eats well. He probably does a cycle or something, because he wants to be lean and have some muscles. But he's short, and he's got a funny body. And he's got a big ass. A big ass and strangely wide hips for a man. Okay, that said, this movie has more yucks. More, not yucks as in gross, but more yucks as in comedy than what I expected. There's a lot of lighthearted, funny stuff in this. Which isn't necessarily bad, but the movie... They're setting up this, uh, I guess, new universe. I think all the, uh, like the Mummy, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, 
Creature from the Black Lagoon, uh, maybe Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think they're all public domain now. So that's why a lot of people, you can, you can just fucking make a uh, you know Nazi Frankenstein movie or whatever. Um, but they're wanting to set up this thing. And, and I, I, I believe, you know, when they had that Dracula movie not that long ago with, oh, what the hell's that fucker's name? He was in that great train robbery. Uh, pst, um, what do you call those things? Miniseries, the two-part miniseries that I watched. And I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. But um, you had that. Now, these type of movies seem to be going for like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or a Penny Dreadful kind of a, a story. Um, and I guess they're setting up that cinematic universe where they're going to maybe have a... Um, a, uh, where they're melding these all together. And I thought somebody told me the other day that maybe they were going to do a Bride of Frankenstein. And I'm not sure if they said Creature from the Black Lagoon or not. Um, but Tom Cruise is in this. I like that... Um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Jake Johnson. He was in uh, Drinking Buddies with uh, the vivacious, uh, beautiful Olivia Wilde couldn't remember her name for a second Ron Livingston um, I like Russell Crowe in this he plays another one of those um, public domain people that uh, maybe is going to have some more to do with this with these movies uh, and I like uh, how they handled his character again I get a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen or Penny Dreadful vibe off of these uh, this was not great. It's worth a watch. It's a it's a runny, jumpy, Tom Cruise run, jump, be chased, fight. Uh, not really scary. I don't think it's more of an action movie than it is a horror movie. Um, but anyway, again, like I said, if you want to take a look at it, I'd say it's average. Not, nothing great. It, it's it won't go down in the lexicon of. Uh, all the right moves, or um, uh, what's some other good Tom Cruise movies? Who cares? Fuck him. <laughs> I don't mind Tom Cruise. He's he's an odd duck, but uh, aren't we all? He doesn't sit here and do a podcast every once in a blue moon just because he's fucking bored and has the shits. Um, watch the movie from 2016. This is a newer one for 99 cents on iTunes. I don't know if it is still that, but uh, it's called Personal Shopper. Uh, written and directed by Olivier Assayas, and it stars Kristen Stewart, Lars Eidegen, and Sigrid Sigrid Bouziz. <laughs> Let's see if I say Anders Daniel Sanri, Tai Luan, Armand Grayar, Nora von Waldenstaten. Uh, that's an easy one. The Von Wattenstatten. Uh, so anyway, um, not a big fan of Kristen Stewart. That's why I would not pay full price for this, and this is why I would not pay a two ninety nine rental. But when I saw it for nine ninety nine, and it seemed like it had pretty good reviews, I decided to to uh, uh, bust a nut and uh, pay that ninety nine cent to be there and watch this movie. Uh, Scott Clickers from Married with Clickers uh, gave it a recommend. And it is, um, when I saw the preview for it, I kept thinking it was going to be like a ghost story. And I think it is a, a, a little bit, but not as much as what I thought it was going to be. Um, 
Kristen Stewart, number one. I saw her in that um, amusement park movie, and I'm not going to look up what it is because I'm going to fuck up my IMDb. See what I'm saying? But she, that was the first thing I saw her in, and it reminded me of like fucking high school or whatever and having that summer job and you meet this girl who's kind of cute and she's a little bit of a tomboy kind of a thing stoner or whatever the kind of girl that you would fall for that is too cool for you but she will you know go out with you for the summer and shit so anyway i liked her in that i actually kind of liked her in that um was it a snow white movie with uh thor I uh, can't remember what that motherfucker was called. And had that uh, chick from uh, Monster <laughs> as as the fucking wicked queen. Oh, Charlize Theron. See, it only takes me a second. I have to just come up with a funny or a stupid uh, joke to kill time before I can access that part of my brain because the opiates are just going crazy in there, bouncing off each other. Uh, or is that Honey Nut Cheerios? Um, so anyway... Kristen Stewart always looks like she's fucking baked or bored and or stoned and bored. Um, and that's about how she that's that's like her acting style too, bored and stoned. Even if it's not a movie about being stoned, then she just looks bored. Um, I don't know what she's going for. She's not a bad-looking girl, and she does get naked in this a couple of times, like very naked, like you see like just about everything. Um, I don't know how to explain this movie. It's kind of hard to put your finger on exactly what it is. It does have some metaphysical stuff in it. Um has a little bit of a thriller, a little bit of a thriller, and then just the the job that she has which is you know from the title a personal shopper she works for a rich woman who i think is like maybe like a famous actress or something who can't go out in public because she'll be swarmed and so she goes and buys uh the woman gives her you know like a credit card and she goes and buys her stuff and she just picks out clothes and jewelry and purses and shoes and yada 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 and there's a rule you never if you're the personal shopper you can never try on any of the stuff uh, you know, so anyway, um, it's an interesting movie. It's not great if you can get it for. I mean, you know, like I said, for two ninety nine wouldn't have been bad because she also rides a Vespa scooter, and I'm all about the two wheels, whether it's a scooter or a motorcycle. Uh, she rides a scooter a lot. She has that. She does have that kind of. Um, I always want to say tomboy appeal. So I mean, you know, I'd, I'd throw her. A, I'd throw her some dick. Um, but she, you know, she'd be the kind of person that would be, like I said, you know, maybe take an interest in you, but then be, you know, aloof and, uh, a pain in the ass. Um, so personal shopper, it's like I said, ah, give it a shot. Let me know what you think if you watch it. Um, then I watched the, uh, 2005's Noah Bombach, written and directed Squid and the Whale. Uh, I've seen this before. I wanted to revisit it because I liked it so much the first time I saw it, my brother. And uh, <laughs> fucking uh, William Baldwin in this was was great. He was funny. Uh, Jeff Daniels was funny and yet pathetic. And uh, um, well, there's a lot of things you can say. This was really good. I like Noah Baumbach. Noah Baumbach, and I like his uh, wife, Frances Ha, whatever the hell her name is, Greta Gerwig. Um, I like her a lot. 
Um, I like. I, I I I still would like to see some more of his movies. I think Loaf had mentioned that he had watched some, and he had recommended. But of course, I fucking can't remember Jack or shit. Um, so uh, maybe I will go back and find some of his uh, Bombaka stuff. Um, I like this. I like the the little boys uh, or little boys. Well, one of them is Lex Luthor, or I'm sorry, Alexander Luthor, uh, who. Jesse Eisenberg is good in this. He kind of is the same guy in every movie he's in. Well, I hate to say that, but he's he's not bad. I mean, he doesn't doesn't like annoy me, but he kind of plays the same thing. Anna Paquin's in this also. Um, you have some teenage angst, uh, like when I was talking about uh, what's her face, the dull stoner chick. Um, uh, she should have been in this. She could have played Anna Paquin. Well, maybe not play Anna Paquin's part because Anna Paquin is sort of playing the same character she played in uh, the twenty what is twenty fifth hour with Ed Norton, where she is the young college student and the professor. In this one is Jeff Daniels. In that movie was Philip Seymour Hoffman, and of course, you know when you have a budding um, college student chick who is uh, right out there with her sexuality and reading. I mean, uh, but I think uh, you could have... Well, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's character was more of a um, kind of a nerd guy that uh, um, wouldn't, on an, in a normal time, get involved with a student. He would just go home and jack off thinking about them. Uh, now, Jeff Daniels, he is exactly the kind of guy that would fuck his students, and he's just a fucking pretentious douche, and he's turned his son into a fucking uh, wannabe pretentious douche, and his other son into a, a a little masturbator who goes and smears his jizz on girls that he likes lockers. So, anyway, and what's her name? Was it Laura Lenny? Laura yeah, Laura Lenny's in this. She's really good too. But uh I I recommend this one, my brother. Uh next thing I watched uh, again when we're talking about addiction, I watched Supersize Me from 2004. This is my second West Virginia uh connection movie, one being the heroin documentary about um heroin. <laughs> the heroin documentary about uh uh coconut shrimp. And uh well this one's more probably would have more to do with coconut shrimp and me eating a lot. Uh, Morgan Spurlock is also from, I think he's from Beckley, West Virginia. Um, and um, this is the movie, that the documentary that put him on the map where he kind of took on McDonald's and not just McDonald's, but junk food. Uh, um, his main focus is McDonald's, but he also talks about all junk food. Uh, junk food that's sold in schools as far as soda, candy, uh, potato chips, stuff like that. Um, and the, the plethora, the, the amount of junk food that we consume, how fat we get. I go to the beach and, you know, there's just fat people, obese people. If I would stay there long enough eating what we ate that week, I would be one of them. I'm still, you know, I mean, my God, if you look at, if you go and, and look at a, an obese, uh, like index or whatever, you know, um, they don't care if you, lift weights and you have twice as much muscle as somebody else, they would say, well, you're overweight or you're obese because this says you should weigh 190 pounds and you weigh 240. But it's like, but lady, I fucking lift weights like every goddamn day of the week. And, you know, so, you know, you have to take that into account. 
Um, but I like this documentary. It was done well. Of course, there's, you know, it's just like the Michael Moore um, documentaries or other, you know, not just those two, but uh, documentaries where you have to keep in mind it's still entertainment. And then it comes out after the fact. They say, well, no one was ever able to get the same results uh, that Morgan Spurlock had when, because he, well, he went on a binge of McDonald's uh, food, all three meals a day. If they ask him if he wanted to supersize, he would supersize and he would eat uh, this, all the food, the supersize meal. And then he had to eat everything that he ordered, plus uh, he had to order everything on the menu. He went around talking to people. Well, one thing in this that's interesting is they uh, do they show um, the guy Jared from the Subway commercials doing a... Uh, talk to like a, a high school or whatever and then you know now knowing that that same fucker was a child molester and now he's in prison that kind of adds something to it a little little twist if you will but again um in this movie when they were talking about addiction food addiction and stuff like that uh this doctor uh sort of going along with the same thing with the heroin addiction he said that he talked about the brain and say like uh, someone who's addicted to chocolate um, and they get this, uh, I don't know if it's endorphins or what, that your brain produces um, and it makes you feel good. Uh, they had a certain drug and it, it might be the same, similar base. I, you know, It's not something that you're going to inject, I don't think. But, uh, but um, this drug would block to the, those receptors in the brain the way that um, the uh, anti-overdose drug that I was talking about, the heroin thing, blocks uh, those probably the same parts of the brain because they said if you would take this drug or however they would stimulate the brain, whether it's taking a drug or whatever they would do, the per- same person that if they ate one piece of chocolate would just have to eat, eat, eat as much chocolate as was there, they could eat one piece of chocolate and just be like, yeah, it was okay. I mean, it was good, tastes good, but, you know, I'm done. I have my one piece, and that's all I want. So, like I said, with the whole addiction thing, the way the brain works, and um, you have the psychological, and that's the same thing with the eating. You have the psychological. Um, someone was telling me the other day at work that somebody was going to go get the uh, gastric bypass surgery where they make your, they go in and, or the lap band, they go in and put the, um, uh, the, um, little band around your stomach make it about the size of a i don't know baseball or whatever um and these people that are obese will lose tremendous amounts of weight go from like uh maybe four or five hundred pounds or whatever down to 200 you know really quickly because you can't eat as much um but um now they are saying if you go to have that surgery uh at least the person was telling me they were told that they these that this person had to see uh, before they would do the surgery they had to um, um, agree to go to like a psychiatrist or counseling and everything because the whole thing is you can go and have that done and lose all that weight but psychologically if you still have that whatever is causing you to want to um, eat or do drugs or gamble. Um, whatever is in the back of your head, whether it's your dad being an asshole and not loving you or getting molested or or no matter what, how you were brought up or if you want to fuck your mother and kill your father or 
who knows what. Um, until you deal with those feelings, they would do that surgery and you have to change your lifestyle. And that's easier said than done if you have a psychological issues that are causing you to want to eat for comfort, to want to gamble, to fill a void in your life, to do drugs, to cover uh, up uh, something that you want to forget or whatever. Um, so you have the psychological, you have the um, chemical in inside your body, your you know your physiology and stuff like that. There's a lot of different things, and like I said, I you know I didn't even think about this when I was you know talking about the gambler, talking about um, um, the heroin addiction documentary, talking about the um, supersize me, the food addiction, and then talking about like like I said, leaving Las Vegas, the sexual addiction, in shame and and different addictions, um, the addiction to Tom Cruise having you know, coloring his hair and not being able to um, face that he's getting old. Or his addiction, it, I wouldn't say addiction, but I'll, I'll, I, I don't know. I'll pose this to you guys out there. Um, as someone who's a cult follower, um, to where they become a blindly loyal zealot to whether it's Scientology or, or Jim Jones in Guiana, which was a Powers Booth fucking movie. They have a new one coming out about the Waco uh, thing with uh, Michael uh, Shannon and uh, Taylor Kish as uh, plays um, David Koresh. Uh, people that are involved in a cult um, that are uh, Charles Manson, the, the Sadie Mae Glutz, Susan Adkins, uh, Patricia Cranwinkle, and Tex Watson, and all those that killed Sharon Tate, who was again, I'm, I'm giving you movie references here because taking it, taking it all the way around, uh, Sharon Tate, who was in several movies and uh, who was Roman Polanski's wife, um, is that a form of addiction? Okay, you have a certain amount of psychological conditioning, but there has to be something there for those people to the the cult leader. There has to be something in that in that person that they're targeting. Something wanting or something damaged or something that they're trying to cover up or to make feel better, a way out. Uh you look at um the movie again bringing up Philip Seymour Hoffman, um, where uh, the master uh, he takes um, what's the hell's that motherfucker's name? <laughs> oh shit! Um, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix, right in the master, um, he's an alcoholic. A bad alcoholic. I mean, like, you know, the kind of guy, if he gets off the alcohol, he goes into DTs. But, again, when you watch that movie, there's something wanting there. There's something damaged there that's causing him to drink like that. Uh, There's something in him that makes him susceptible to the leader, the master, the the cult leader. Uh, Again, with Jim Jones, with uh, David Koresh. And I'm talking about that, but you can go as far as saying like uh, Jimmy Swaggart or um, <coughs> Rush Limbaugh. You know, who knows? Playing on those fears. Uh, there, 
I don't know, but see, I'm wondering if that is actually... There's a lot to, of comparison there as far as what type of person, someone that's broken, someone that um, has something that makes them susceptible to the drugs, the drink, the addiction to sex, the, the food, um, or in the same instance that they turn to the leader that ha- or the or the uh, god in the sky the superman in the sky that that has the answers or that gives them that comfort and i wonder if looking okay they're damaged and they're looking and they're wanting and they want someone to lift them up some someone to help them whereas the other person's looking for something to comfort to give them comfort to set off those endorphins in their brain and I wonder if the people that are the cult followers um, well like Manson he used drugs he used sex he used um, psychological manipulation uh, and but I wonder if those cult followers um, have the, have a similar um, sim- similar Thing in their brain and in their psyche and their psychological makeup that 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 makes them kind of like uh, um, susceptible to that as other people are susceptible to to substances. Okay, who knows? What the fuck am I? Who the hell am I? <laughs> Why can't I find a, the master? I don't know. Whatever. I'm not looking for anybody or anything. Um, 2017's Wonder Woman directed by Patty Jenkins and written by the screenplay was written by uh, Alan Heinberg and the story by story was by Zack Snyder this stars Gal Gadot I always want to say Gal Gadot but I think she read a, a thing on the uh, hateful Twitter uh, posts where they have the famous people reading hateful Twitter posts about themselves and she said Gal Gadot but I wanted to say Gal Gadot. Uh, she's pretty good looking. Um, got long legs. <laughs> um, okay, now I didn't see this in the theater. This is my first time watch for uh, Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. Um, I like Chris Pine, a.k.a. Captain James T. Kirk. Um Connie Nielsen is in this. Robin Wright, they did a good job. Danny Houston, I love Danny Houston. I I really like him in just about everything. Um, But now people, listen to me. Listen up when I tell you. I thought this was okay, but I didn't think it was really great. Um, I know some people really liked it a lot. Um, Oh, my eyes are burning. The headphones are hurting my ears. We're almost two hours in, and I'm just babbling. Um, it's a superhero movie. I was not. I've, I've never. I'm reading more DC now than I ever have, and I I like the character and everything. Um, like I said, she's pretty pretty good looking. I like her kicking ass. Uh, like uh, you know, just like about any guy, uh, a tough kick ass chick uh, really is uh, alluring. Uh, Chris Pine has a big head. He's got those blue eyes and that bushy, like that thick shock of hair 
that only uh, Sergeant Gerard or was it Gerard from uh, Chips came from his loins. This is good, but it's you know, like I said, I, I watched it once. I don't, I don't know if I would watch it again. I did like the little cabal. It was almost like the Howling Commandos from Marvel. That uh, Chris Pine, uh, who plays um, what's his name, Steve Trevor, yeah, uh, Lyle Wagner, I believe, played him on the TV show, and Linda Carter was so good looking. Oh my God, she was good looking. And I see pictures of her today from back then, and I'll, she's she's just even more even more good looking, <laughs> more good looking. Um, but this gal. <laughs> She's pretty good looking too. Good, good, good. Um, I saw this once. I'm not like in a rush to go out and buy it or anything. I thought it was good. Like I said, it's a it's a uh, action typical action uh, um, superhero movie. Kind of kind of had some you know the same feel as like uh, the first Captain America movie, which takes place during World War Two. Uh, this takes place uh, I think during World War One. Uh, I like watching her kick ass. I like watching her leap, uh, leap, and punch. And, like, she fucking grabs a tank and picks it up, and she jumps up and fucking hits this goddamn tower that has a sniper in it, and the whole god, it's like a bomb going off because she hits it so hard. She's pretty fucking badass. Um, that one dude, what the hell is that fucker's name? Uh, David Thulis. Uh, he is a cocksucker in a lot of fucking movies, and I'm not—I don't mean like gay porn movies. He's a jerk. Uh, he's probably not a jerk in real life, but I watched him in the newest season of Fargo, and what a piece of shit! And then in this, he's a piece of shit. Danny Houston is good. He's like a fucking weirdo. And then there was a a, a chick in this uh, that played Doctor Maru, who is Elena. Ananya and she was good she was a little freak (laughs) but Gal has the legs and she wears that little short dress and I I like that Um, Robin Wright was really good I'm surprised to see her in this type of movie but she's kind of a kick ass feminist chick I like that Um, you know maybe if it had some fucking I don't know but like I said it it was alright it's like a you know, some some movies like that, I'm, I'm like, man, I'm gonna go out and buy that, or I'll, I'll, I'll buy it on iTunes. You know, second it, it was worth a watch. I might watch it again one of these days. Watch the Third Man again from 1949. This is uh, directed by Carol Reed, and it was written by Graham Greene, uh, who is a very good author. Want to get some read some more of his stuff? I I, uh, I had a book. Was it uh, Julia Child about Julia Childs? Maybe I can't remember what it was. I, I used to go to this bookstore, and they had, um, you know, it was a discount bookstore where they would get the overstock and sell these books for like, you know, shit. You'd get these thirty, forty dollar fucking books for like a, a couple bucks. So I mean, I'd go up there and come back with these big coffee table books and big hardback books and uh, 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 lots of movie movie books, but also. Um, um, uh, books on tape and stuff, which, you know, fairly expensive. If you, you know, you get on iTunes now and get an audio book and, uh, I mean, they're, they're pretty expensive. Uh, I'd go up there and get them for like, you know, a couple bucks, maybe five at the most. And I got one and I don't, I, I would buy some of them cause I would drive a lot with my old job and I would listen to these, uh, books on tape. They were on cassette and then eventually got to, to CD, but when they were on, um, on uh, cassette, 
I used to listen to them in the car, and so anything that I found that it was even remotely interesting, and I think because I know I saw the movie about Julia Childs, the the uh, famous TV cook chef or whatever you want to call her, uh, and her husband, and they made a movie about it. Um, but I believe it was her. I, I, it was if it wasn't her specifically, it was someone uh, like that was like a sort of did the same thing as she did but they were good friends with uh graham green and so there was a part of the of the movie and the guy that read the audiobook was like um graham green so that's anytime i see graham green i have to say graham green not to be confused with the uh first nations actor graham green who i also like who was in lionheart and uh you know he was he did he was in uh uh, Dances with Wolves and Lionheart and was just like, he seemed like a, to be a star on the rise. And then he kind of, you know, I, I didn't see him in too much after that. Um, maybe I just missed some stuff. Sort of the same as with, um, oh, what's his name that played, um, Jesus Christ, I even fucking have emailed this guy and talked to him. Uh, rides horses, plays guitar. <laughs> God damn it. I'm drawing a blank. He was in Last of the Mohegans. He played Geronimo. He was in Heat. He was one of Al Pacino's... uh, God, motherfucker. What the hell's his name? No, I can't pull this one out. I can even see his face. Uh, Let's see here. Uh, Oh, and you know what's funny is he played goddamn Geronimo. When I bring up fucking uh, IMDB, Jason Patrick and Gene Hackman come up, it was... And Robert Duvall was in that. I need to rewatch that. West Studi. God damn it. Sorry, West Studi. Nice guy. Um, like I said, he's he's a, an equestrian. He rides horses. Uh, he has an actual band. Uh, he's a pretty good singer and plays guitar. Uh, you know, acoustic rhythm guitar. Uh, but anyway, Graham Green. I watched uh, Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton in uh, The Third Man again. Uh, I believe uh, Valencia and some other people recommended, I guess... Um, Orson Welles did some um, radio shows where he did the, uh, like, uh, I can't remember if they're called The Secret Life of Harry Lime or something like that. And the radio shows are on YouTube, but also someone said that there is actually a podcast that you can get uh, where they they play the radio shows. Uh, So you can, some of the stuff that uh, happened to Harry Lime before this movie... um, Love this movie. Watched it a lot, uh, many times. Love the colorful cast of characters that they come up with to play the parts of the uh, black marketeers and the uh, Berlin underworld after uh, World War II. Or Vienna, I'm sorry. I want to say Berlin. I don't know why. Um, But I love the music in it. I love the quirky angles that they shoot it. uh, just the whole thing, and I and again, I remember telling Loaf I watched this so many times that I was coming back from Horror Hound, I think, in Indianapolis, which is like a seven-hour drive, and I actually listened. I had my iPad and I hooked it, uh, I plugged it into my uh, car stereo, and just played that movie and listened to it because it's got a lot of do- good dialogue in it, and like I said, the 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 uh, kind of cool uh, music in it and stuff. Anyway. Third Man, it's a goddamn fucking classic. <laughs> Ooh-ha! I watched, uh, okay, one of the TV shows that I uh, started getting caught up on was American Gods. I uh, really like this. Um, it's fucking weird as shit. Um, 
got a lot of craziness in it. Fucking just craziness. Um, I like, um, oh, what's his face? Ian McShane. And uh, I kind of thought I knew who he was, and now I do. Uh, Crispin Glover's in this, and again, he's like one of those people, if you watch him in in uh, all the movies that you've seen him in, you always think of him as uh, uh, like the same guy that was in River's Edge or, or um, you know, those movies. But he's gotten older, so he doesn't look exactly the same. Filled out a little bit, you know, more than... He's not the, just the lanky, skinny guy that tried to kick David Letterman in the head. Um, like the cast of this, they always come up with some... Uh, some different weird people. Jillian Anderson's in this. Um, um, Cloris Leachman. Um, what's his face? Uh, Peter Stormar. Um, you have a lot of weird people that show up. And then you have this guy that plays Shadow. And um, Shadow Moon. Ricky Whittle. And he's just kind of thrust into this weird world. I like the guy, the girl that plays his, um, or woman, lady, whatever. Uh, that plays his um, wife, I guess. Uh, she's she's a she's a, a character, all right. Uh, this is a good show. It, it's it's weird and it's uh, very violent. Uh, it, it's uh, very surreal and strange, uh, but it's good. It's keeping my in- innerst innerst. Another one is the preacher. These are these are kind of on the same level of strange weirdness and craziness. Um, I like this one. I, I watched, um, I'm kind of taking this one as it goes. I think, uh, American gods. I think that the, the last one I watched was the season finale. Um, preacher, uh, stars Dominic Cooper. And, um, it's goes with the, uh, along with the, you know, of course, uh, based on the comic and loaf, uh, gave me his collection of Preacher. I need to get more into it and uh, i got so much stuff to read and like I said, I'm just kind of any chance I get, the only time I read is if I come home and get in the bathtub and read like one comic and I start to fall asleep and even if I'm taking a crap, I, I, I don't last that long. I'll get through one of them maybe but usually I'm watching TV watching some kind of movie or sleeping. Maybe I'm addicted to sleeping. Uh, but Preacher's good. It's got a lot of entertaining weirdos uh while i was at the beach uh one night uh we came back uh, to the room with our big uh guts from eating too much food and i watched red 2 from 2013 directed by dean that i saw and uh written by john hober and eric hober uh starring bruce willis helen mirren john malkovich what's that girl's name that's in this Oh, she's like the goddamn one of the... Mary Louise Parker. Also, this one... Now, I liked Red, the first Red. Bruce Willis is really good in it. And uh, um, Bones McCoy. (laughs) He was really good in it, too. He was one of the best parts of going up against Bruce Willis. Um, But um, this one is not as good. Has a better... I mean, has a... I shouldn't say a better cast, but it has a lot of people. Uh, Neil McDonough is in this, and he's an asshole. Uh, he's really good, too, playing a dick. Brian Cox is in it. He was in the first one, uh, and I love Cox. Um, Byung Hung Lee is in this. Uh, Anthony Hopkins shows up, and I always forget that, and I'm like, holy shit. 
Uh, and David Thewlis, that bastard that was I was just talking about, he's in this and he plays a dick. Um, anyway, he plays a dick and everything. He's got rotten teeth. <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, anyway, it's worth a watch, but it's not as good. Uh, Red is an action movie that's got a lot of comedy in it. Um, again, this one just isn't It just isn't as good. And to me, it seemed like Bruce Willis was just kind of sleepwalking through this turd. It's worth a watch, though. I should say turd. I watched uh, What Happened to Monday. I can't remember if I talked about that one on The Last Shoe or not. Uh, 2017's. The original title is Seven Sisters. Um, this was directed by Tommy Workle. Work Ola and written by Max Botkin and Carrie Williamson and it stars Numi Rapace, Glenn Close, Willem Dafoe. This is a made for Netflix movie. They're starting to make a lot of movies and I heard they were going to be making a shitload of them uh, from now on uh, concentrating more on the movies showing the movies that they're making other than um, ha- uh, the uh, you know just eh, non-Netflix movies. Uh, I like this one. Um, Numi Rapace, I like her, even though we were wrong. We were so wrong. We were wrong. She, she, when she gets upset and she, when she grunts, you know, Schwarzenegger has that. She kind of has her own, um, grunt scream when she's fighting. And, um, and then that, uh, we were so wrong, we were wrong. You know, like from uh, fucking, what the hell is that goddamn movie that everybody hates that some of us like uh, about the Aliens uh, prequel? Prequel? That was that ship called. <laughs> Motherfucker, I can't remember shit. Um, God damn it. Prometheus, Jesus Christ, what the hell's wrong with my brain? What the hell's wrong with my head? Um, so anyway, Numeria Pace is in this. Um, she should get paid like seven salaries because she plays seven different parts. Uh, one of the reasons I wanted to watch this, I like her, but uh, but I will say this. After the first um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, maybe the first two, um, I didn't really like the last one that much. It got kind of cartoonish with the giant uh, half-brother bodybuilder chasing her and shit. That's like got blonde hair or bleached blonde hair. After that, she's made. She's been in some movies, and I, I, because uh, I liked her in Girl with Dragon Tattoo, I kind of try and follow her. And she's made some turds and some very average stuff, like the one with Colin Farrell. That's a WWE movie. And then the last one I watched was where she played the interrogator. I can't remember what that one was called. Just recently, it was. It probably came out the same time as this one did. Uh, she's interrogating some guy, and then of course it's like a spy thriller, almost like Salt, that starred Angelina Jolie. But one of the re- other reasons I want to watch this, other than her being in it, was Willem Dafoe was in it, and I like him. Want to watch everything he's in. Uh, he's still good. Good in this. This is a good story. It's um, it's different. It's it. It almost seems to me like almost like a Philip K. Dick, uh, uh, movie. Or, you know, based on something like that, it's not, but I don't think. Um, but, um, like I said, I really like this on Netflix, and uh, give it a try. It, you might like it, too. Glenn Close looks fucking weird. Jesus Christ, man. You know, wh- even though she wasn't, like, the most beautiful woman in the world, when she was in the Fatal Attraction with Michael Douglas, you know, she was kind of hot and, and wild. She had that wild, curly hair, and she was down to getting fucked a lot. And uh, even she knew Michael Douglas was had, like, a was married and had a kid and everything but she was like I'm careless fuck let's go and come over and fuck me some more well then she gets obsessed 
But man, she she's fucking she didn't age well. She looks like a scary Halloween mask. Um, uh, watch Red Dragon. I think I might have talked about that last time. Brett Ratner directed uh Thomas Harris of course wrote the uh book uh yeah, this is the one that uh, was uh uh Manhunter with William Peterson and Manhunter with William Peterson is better. Um, I think that was a Michael Mann movie. Maybe that's why it was better. This was directed by Brett Ratner. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins is also in this. He was in Red 2. <laughs> but he's in this. And he plays, of course, Hannibal Lecter, um, the cannibal. And uh, Ed Norton, uh, I can, like I said, uh, I, I may have talked about this in the last thing because I think I remember talking about American History X. Ed Norton gets whiny. He's whiny, and I heard he was a, a real douche to work with. But that doesn't bother me because, you know, if he's a douche, it, I'm not working with him. But he's whiny, and he's whiny in this. And Ray Fiennes plays um, uh, Francis Dollaride. And I was reading, oh, shit, when I was reading about the um, serial killers and the criminal profilers and all that shit, the FBI, which is also making me remember that I did talk about this. Um, I can't remember what guy they based Francis Dollaride on. There was an actual famous serial killer that they based him on. I'll have to look that up one of these days. Harvey Keitel was okay, but Jack Crawford to me is Scott Glenn. <laughs> um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is also it's a good cast. Got a good cast. Lalo Schifrin, uh, the famous uh, conductor, is in this, and he plays conductor. Um, God, that guy was great. Um, but it's just not as good. I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Fucking Francis Dollaride in the book, I believe, was supposed to be like a goddamn big ass weightlifter, bodybuilder kind of guy, and that's why he had a hair lip and he's real scary because he's just big. And you know, they tried. Ray Fiennes is a good actor. Uh, they tried to even show that in this and had him lifting weights and stuff, but he's he's not like a impre- big impressive guy. He's a good actor, and that's the same within the um, in the book Hannibal which uh, they could not get Jodie Foster to play um, what's-her-face? Clarice Starling as the lamb stops screaming, Clarice. They couldn't get, uh, what's-her-name, Jodie Foster, so they had to get uh, what's-her-face, and she's kind of a crybaby wine. Julian Moore is a... Every movie she's in, even if she's getting fucked, she has to cry. She cries a lot, and she and she kind of moans when she cries. I, I can't remember what movie it was in, and she was like, oh, it was in um, Magnolia. If you watch Magnolia and watch her when she's doing, when she wants to get her prescriptions filled because she's a drug addict, and the uh, guy at the pharmacy starts giving her shit, and she goes off on him, that's what I'm talking about. She's a good actress, but, you know. Anyway, I liked Hannibal better than I liked uh, Red Dragon. Red Dragon just didn't do it for me, Daddy-O. Sorry. Thomas Harris. I don't know if he's going to be doing anything here in the future or what. Um, of course, you had the TV show, uh, Hannibal. That was pretty good. It, it was like, a, you know, like I said, uh, what are you doing, Wilgram? Wilgram. Look deep inside yourself, Wilgram. I uh, had What's-His-Face. That kind of plays the same character uh, that Ian McShane plays in what's a what you call it? <laughs> Old One Eye that has those goddamn ravens and you know 
fucking fucks with Thor and all that shit and goes walking on the earth every once in a while and, you know, goes on a boat with some Vikings, I think. Or were they Vikings? What was that movie called? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm floundering people. It's about time to wrap this up. Watch Jarhead 2, Field of Fire. This was pretty good. I mean, it, you know, like I said, I talked about this last time. I know I did because I, I remember saying it kind of started out a little slow. Cole Hauser was good, played Navy SEAL in it, um, and uh, I already talked about it. So I'm not going to talk about it no more. Um, and we're getting, uh, we're getting uh, whatchamacallit, getting froggy-throated. And uh, we're getting on time. Uh, some comics I watched, I read. I'm sorry, didn't watch, I read them. Uh, from Dynamite Comics. I'm starting to get into some Dynamite Comics. Uh, Felix Leiter, or Felix Leiter. Uh, this is the character from the James Bond movies. It's played by several different people. Good good comic. The James Bond comics that I've read so far from Dynamite are, are pretty good. I'm going to keep up with those. Dynamite comics are expensive, though. I mean, they're like fucking three ninety nine. So uh, I'm getting on there and uh, getting them cheap. Uh, but uh, if you get a chance to check out Felix Leiter, it's a good comic. Uh, I've read a couple of them. Uh, Daredevil... Um, they're continuing on. The, see, now Daredevil the last few issues has has had a lot of courtroom stuff. Uh, Matt Murdock, um, after this last big shakeup, uh, they made it. He he had the the children of the Purple Man make it so nobody remembered that Daredevil is Matt Murdock. The only person that knows it, I think, is Foggy. Um, he tried a case uh, before the court uh, saying that superheroes should be able to testify in costume so nobody knows who they are to keep their secret identity well then it went to the Supreme Court and he actually you know went to the Supreme Court and there's some who the the guy that's uh, going up against him there's some shenanigans going on there by who's backing him uh, now this one there was a character called blind spot that Daredevil took on as kind of a protege and he has been gone for several issues and this new one sees Daredevil go to China and uh, runs into some assholes that uh, you see a lot in Daredevil comics and also uh, the return of Blindspot uh, watched, uh, watched. Uh, read uh, some more Star Wars and Dr. Afra. Both of those are always good. The art in them's good. The stories are good. Uh, Dr. Afra, as I've said before, I hope she shows up in one of these new Star Wars movies because that character is awesome. And her little cabal of uh, uh, bad guys that she hangs out with because she's, like, not a good guy. Uh, she's sort of kind of walks the edge of, you know, but she's still a kind of a dirt bag. <laughs> uh, Weapon X is, uh, you know what? I was going to say, since I've got that, um, the first several issues that I got, I really wasn't impressed with, just like a lot of the X-Men books that are out now. This last issue was actually pretty good. The art in it was good, and the story wasn't bad. Uh, X-Men Blue, well, I don't know, I kind of blew. The only thing I like about that one is uh, the Goblin Queen has returned, if you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Thanos, the new Thanos uh, comic, um, he's starting to get down. Uh, he's been kind of down on his luck and uh, depowered and everything. Well, guess what? Uh, he ain't <laughs> he ain't no more, and he ain't nice. <laughs> so, people, 
I just want to say thanks for sticking with me, sticking with the show. Uh, the Loaf and Zom uh, Silva and Gold will be back soon. Loaf has been watching shitloads of fucking movies. Lately, I've noticed online, he got his movie pass, and he's been hitting hard on just about everything new. Like I said, with this one, I didn't have that many movies to talk about. I, you know, stretched uh, and kind of delved into some of this stuff, so we got a good... Uh, what we get out of this? Two hours and 20 minutes. So, um, anyway, I just wanted to get something down again since I went to the beach. I'm still trying to keep this thing chugging along. Uh, we will be back. Um, like I said, I noticed Liv's watching a lot of movies, so I'm sure here shortly he will want to jump on and talk about all the shit he's been watching. And uh, thanks for listening. Um, I have not checked. I should have checked the email for this week, but I did not. So I will uh, try to remember to get on there and see if you yins have uh, sent any feedback. I appreciate all feedback. Our phone number is, uh, new phone number is 636-323-9960. And uh, we love to get uh, the uh, audio feedback. Uh, That's 636-323-9960. Even if you just want to call and make fart noises or tell me about, um, I don't know, what you've been reading, what you've been watching, uh, your addiction problems, <laughs> what's your favorite pie, uh, what's your favorite flavor milkshake, um, who's the sexiest woman in Hollywood right now, um, what um, actor do you want to punch in the face? You know, stuff like that. I like to hear it. And I'll listen to it. I might get on there right now and listen to it. And I definitely uh, definitely said the uh, the uh, email fucking feedback. I don't have that in front of me because I'm poorly planned here. Uh, but uh, check it out. Uh, you know what it is. <laughs> There's only two or three of you listening. But uh, hopefully we'll be talking to you soon. Both me and the loaf, the loafster, loafmeister, the meister brewster loafenstein. And we'll be back uh, shortly in uh, probably another week or so, maybe a month, bi-monthly, quarterly, next year. Zom. Crap. Crap.